Support for this podcast comes from Zuri Food, all-natural, all-human-grade dog food, offering four different diets to optimize nutrition for your pup, and now two different kinds of dog treats as well. Visit www.zurifood.com today to order yours, because pups are people too. Cast. I'm not exactly really sure what episode number this is yet, but one million. It's episode one million. Let's put this one in the can for a while. I've been doing uh, this for 27 <laughs> years. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, we're here at Studio Expo. That's what I call it. I mean, I see the train, the Expo line going yes. right past the window. Hopefully, we don't hear the train too much, but it's there. Um, all right, so my guest today, Zach Lupatin from the Dust Bowl Revival. Hi, how are you? How's it going, Zach? All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, man. Of course. And you are starting a podcast too, is that right? It seems to be the thing to do. Yes, it is. I, I have been threatening uh, <laughs> for the better part of a year. I've been kind of a podcast junkie, I think, since... God, probably about five years or more. Uh, you know, I think when you're in a touring band... Uh, it's really a lifesaver yeah. on long drives. Uh, keeps you awake, keeps you alert, keeps you learning things. Totally. Um, so I've been sort of fe- I'm feeling like a like a podcast ambassador to people. Like, yeah. There's people who literally spreading the good news. Don't know what they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Still, like I had to explain to a friend uh, from high school. You know, I went to high school in Chicago, and you know, we're all spread out all over the country now. And this uh, this friend who I'd reconnected with, and, and uh, she came to a show of Dust Bowl revivals in, in Delaware, of all places. The only show we've ever played I was in Delaware. Say, yeah. We opened for the uh, the infamous String Dusters oh, cool. at this like weird beach venue, um, and she came down with her husband. I think they're both chefs, like out on the eastern shore there, and. Had a great time, you know, had some beers. And then I posted on my Facebook, like, I'm finally going to do it. I'm starting this podcast. And she's like, yeah, you're going to have to explain to me, like, what a podcast is again. I always forget. Like, do I buy it? Right. Like, like, is is it it, on the radio? Is it like a, is it like a, like a TV show that I have to uh, have a, like a network? Do I need to follow it and catch up to a certain episode? And I literally had this. 20 minute conversation on Facebook Messenger with her, explaining to her what it was and why she should care about them. You know, she had had never heard of Spotify. She had never heard of like a podcast app. Who is this person? (laughs) And I was like, wait, where is Rhode Island? Like, is it like in Mars or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, relatively speaking, it is a pretty new, you know, media, but at the same time, podcast been around for 10 years well yeah i was like look you know what 
this American life is. We're from Chicago. Yes. She's like, oh, yeah. You know, well, that's the best way I've found to explain what it is. It's because uh, to people who don't know anything about it, I say, well, it's basically like radio shows on demand. Yeah. You know, it's like you can DVR your shows. You can yeah. DVR your podcasts. But I think also the wealth of ridiculous content that's out there. Yeah. Um, are we supposed to be talking about guitars right now? No, not really. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like I started off thinking, you know, guitar cast. I, I've got a lot of friends who are guitar players. I'm a guitar player. It'd be cool to like, you know, play, pick some tunes and uh, and that kind of thing. But there's a lot of guitar nerds out there. Well, yeah, and and once I started doing it, I realized that I'm gonna run out. Not really, but you know, I'm gonna get to the end of the line with all the guitar players that I know. And so I've I have been. Uh, Having on like bass players, keyboard players, <laughs> you know, I'm probably gonna get some uh, some friends of mine who are like engineer producers. So it's kind of just a me- all things music podcast, you know. Sweet. But um, so yeah, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the Dust Bowl revival. Uh, I mean, I met you guys kind of coming up at the same time as my old band, the Get Down Boys, playing a lot of the same venues and. Um, you guys, I think, had already been around for a couple of years when I first was introduced to you guys. But but tell me a little bit about the band. So Dust Bowl Revival, uh, I guess, was formed sort of by accident where I, I posted this Craigslist ad around 2008. All great bands start uh, on Craigslist. I mean, it was a more innocent time in 2008. So many. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I moved out to L.A. from Chicago. Uh, well, I, I went to school college in michigan and then kind of drove out here um seeking fame and fortune more following a a lady at the time which was a bizarre idea but um you know i i had been in bands more in rock and roll and blues stuff in chicago you know since i was 13 you know and it was always the sort of obsession sort of thing that i did you know making posters and playing weird dives and just like having that as this thing that wouldn't go away. I yeah. had to do it. Um, but I didn't really know anybody in LA. Um, so, you know, posted this Craigslist ad and then a lot of a really talented sort of diverse, uh, people came out of the woodwork and we started playing around town and, um, it was more initially a, a project of, of sort of having a revolving cast of characters around my weird sort of folk blues gospel songs. Um, and we would have up to 20 people who would play with us. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a bizarre, in retrospect, idea that you would have a band that's completely unknown or, you know... With no budget, but you also wanted to have like ten people. Yeah, and for some reason that didn't really cross my mind at the time. Yeah, <laughs> like that was like usually you start with a couple people and then you get famous and then you add in the big band. Right. This was and just we were just like let's all. just like all have because I think I wanted to have this New Orleans roots yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and I I was kind of obsessed with with thirties big band and, and swing yeah. and western swing and like yeah. you know. Bob Wills and Texas Playboys with the horns and the strings together. Totally. Uh, didn't really know how that would happen, but um, got pretty lucky. Had some some folks who joined with me and who some of them are still 
chugging along yeah, with me at, at, from that from that original Craigslist ad. So it's technically like our ten year anniversary. Yeah. Uh, this year, but I would say the band really started to pick up some steam around 2012, 2013 when um, I got laid off from my advertising job. Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was one of those things where it was sort of this thing where the universe was giving you permission to Absolutely. just like see what happens. Totally. And we were starting to play, you know, up and down the West Coast and, and Midwest a little bit and um I think being young and ignorant is good for you sometimes because sure. you're just like we're gonna just when you don't know what you don't we're know, gonna do it and it's uh, all it's, it's fun you know oh, yeah. and you know we i think got lucky in that the festival circuit you know especially in the bluegrass and jam world kind mm-hmm. of embraced us to yeah. a point um even though we were neither fully a bluegrass or a jam, jam type yeah. band but they i think they appreciate the the roots mashup thing yeah, that's happening more that, than a lot of people. They're very open minded. That crowd is very giving yeah. and very open minded. And it's a lot of those bands get that label a jam band, which is sort of a sort of a bad word. But I think that comes from that's a, it's sort of just an umbrella term. I think a lot of those bands, if you really break it down, they are a blues band that jams, or they're a right. rock band that jams, or they're a reggae band that you know what i mean so in those festivals you the uh the eclectic factor is like through the roof and so i could imagine that that you guys would get uh well i remember uh especially when i was sort of managing the band myself and and i would write these fake uh these emails from a fake sure, name sure you know <laughs> yeah I've done that when we didn't sure. have an agent and whatever i was like this is a jackson you know, Ford of uh, the Dust Bowl Revival. I manage this group, and uh, we uh, have uh, a New Orleans uh, funk folk mashup here, and uh, we'd like to come to your traditional f- folk fest. <laughs> right. And they were like, you got trombone and drums? Drums. And, like, yeah. son, like, this isn't what we do here. You know, and, and they, were, they were honest about it sometimes. We were like, what are you talking to us for? You know? Yeah. And then the jazz festival people would be like, you got like a fiddle and a mandolin? Like I don't think this is really right. But now I think a lot of those festivals are very open-minded and yeah. especially since we've stuck around long enough and um I think they want to see bands that are just a breath of fresh air sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I I really appreciate people, you know, like what you guys were doing in the Get Down Boys are just who are doing the real Super thing. Super traditional, yeah. Because that's actually even more difficult sometimes to pull off because we're not from Kentucky yeah. or from, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like you're kind of pretending in a way, but if the yeah. music hits you hard enough, it kind of doesn't matter. It feels well, right. Well, sure. You know? and, and like uh, the, a great example that I like to, uh, that reminds me of that kind of sentiment is that there are some hardcore traditional bluegrass string bands in japan yeah and they take it really seriously and they because the music is powerful to them you know when i first started playing guitar i mean i'm a totally self-taught guitar player so i wouldn't advise anyone to attempt (laughs) to do what i do and it's more of a rhythm kind of percussive instrument uh as a backbone to writing songs you know i I think i feel like i'm more of a writer than a guitar player but i wanted to 
find something where I could fit or I could actually contribute to the canon of music. Yeah. And I, you know, as much as I loved bebop and, and, you know, shredding blues and stuff like that, I was like, that's never going to be me. Like, I just like, it was not going to happen. Yeah. But I felt like some of this sort of folk gospel, uh, New Orleans stuff that had a little more of a, of a Soul. funky, soulful, yeah. but also sometimes just four chords in the truth thing. I felt like I could maybe slip in there. Yeah. You know, like I could do some of that. Yeah. Or at least I could create songs where the group around me could really blossom with yeah. that style. You know, that's one of the cool things I think um, about the Dust Bowl revival. You guys do a great job of highlighting each instrument in each player and there are there's like a song a couple songs where um fiddle and mandolin are like spotlighted and right. then there's songs where the horns are spotlight and then you know it, you do a good job of like representing all those things so on on one hand it's a mashup of sorts yes but also within the set there is some straight up bluegrass stuff and there is some straight up funk horn kind of soul well, I think, yeah, it, it depends what kind of show we're playing. If it's a longer, you know, big festival set and we got to stretch out a little bit, um, you know, it's hard to deny like a raging bluegrass song yeah. with a bunch of really excited people in a field. It's just right. like they want to feel that and to dance to that. Yeah. And then sometimes you're in a kind of dark nightclub and you're like, we're just going to do the New Orleans kind yeah. of funky stuff. And it's finding the stuff that connects both of those that have been sort of the evolution of what Dust Bowl sound has become, where we are finding these songs unique to us and our instrumentation, um, especially with, you know, me and Liz uh, Beebe singing harmonies and mm-hmm. then the string section on one side, the horn section and the rhythm section. Um, and that's something that we're still kind of experimenting with, but this uh, record we put out six months ago, um, just self-titled uh, Dust Bowl Revival hmm. record. Um, finally, I think we focused a little more on, like, what is the thing that is our sound, not sort of creating something that's bluegrass adjacent right, or right, right. New Orleans funk adjacent. It's, like, Dust Bowl sound, right? right? And I think that uh, came through partially because this guy, um, our producer, Ted Hutt, was like, let's cut the crap, and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off in ten directions. Yeah. Which is partially what makes you fun as a live act. Well, sure. But as a record, as a listening experience, yeah. more can we focus more on just these emotional kind of relationship songs and the falling in and out of love yeah. and that sort of uh, the crux of, you know, growing up and getting a little older and wiser and, and knowing that, you know, that can be expressed through this sort of soulful folk thing. Yeah. And, and that's been a really cool evolution. Well, and it, you guys have made a lot of records, right? I mean, maybe uh, how many do you have? And some of them I'm, I would imagine are more indie stuff that you did back in the day, but I think there's about five in yeah. some form. Yeah. So it takes, you know, through that, through those five records, 
that's how you arrived at kind of where you're at describing that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you also have to, you could see the trends of the time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we're not the only band, I think, that's feeling this sort of soul revival happening. Oh, yeah. It's like something it's in the pretty, water right pretty now. Pretty big thing. You know? But also acknowledging that, like, we're not a soul band. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's people who do that really well. Right, right, right. You know, you're not going to be the Dap Kings. Right. You know? <laughs> but... I think feeling that um, that the soul base is what kind of drives a lot of the stuff because really that's soul music is just like emotional music. Yeah, it's like getting to the heart of the matter type thing, you know. Yeah, and if you have a horn section you kind of want to try it a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the horns, horns to soul is like the banjo to bluegrass. It's right. just like totally encapsulates that sound. Um, and you guys, so, so list the, uh, instruments in the band for me. Okay. So we have Daniel Mark who plays mandolin and, uh, though he's, our string section has been experimenting really? recently with a lot of pedals and various things. Okay. So, He's been doing some stuff where the Mando almost acts like a hip hop keyboard in certain things, you know, where it has yeah, this like a, like echoey a kind of yeah and, yeah, and and Daniel kind of grew up listening to a lot of hip hop. Uh-huh. Well, he was like a bona fide rapper, uh, from what he's told me. <laughs> he likes to beatbox on occasion. Yeah. Um, Connor Vance plays the the fiddle, also kind of going through some wah pedals and different things where. Depending on the feel of the song, it can be real natural or it can be Jimi Hendrix, who's right. like his hero. So um, the drums, uh, Josh Heffernan, um, and he's been pushing us to do this more funk yeah. uh, grounded thing for a long time. Um, James Klopfleisch on upright bass, um, and he likes to uh, he likes to experiment because he's a experimental composer at times uh-huh. went to cal arts so okay he's got uh well i did i did catch his uh baby monitor uh yes concerto the other, the other night there he's a character um uh so ulf bjorlin on trombone matt rubin on trumpet um and they'll kind of work together to flesh out the horn parts and and matt is a really good um Composer, I mean, some of these guys have master's degrees mm-hmm. in composition, so they're way more educated than me, and they, you know, can make the songwriting process really complex, which kind of is frustrating at times. I'm just like, this is a blues, guys. Yeah, you know? feel it, you know. But <laughs> he's also the guy who can bring in a chord in a song that transforms the song. Yeah. That I'm like, I never would have thought of that. Yeah, you know. Um, and who I'm missing, Liz BB sings and plays ukulele. Um, and she's starting to write some tunes with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy having an eight piece band touring full time, but yeah. it's like kind of what we've been doing. So right. it's like, you know, it's just, it's our thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, let me, I've got your, uh, tour here. So how, how many shows did you guys play last year, do you think? It's somewhere in like the 100, 150 yeah. range. Pretty busy. Though there's, you know, sometimes you, you don't list private events or, you know, 
weird yeah. other things. Right, that, right, right. You know. Um, so, yeah, coming up, you got Chicago, Kalamazoo, Columbus, Ohio, Athens, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Kent, Ohio. What up, Ohio? Yeah. Uh, Detroit, L.A. So you got the Troubadour on the 17th of February. That should be fun. You guys have done the Troubadour a few times, right? We did. We recorded our most of our live record lampshade on uh, there. Oh, cool. Um, so it is kind of a special place for us. Cool. And um, another thing I want to ask you about, a few years ago you guys had a video with Dick Van Dyke. That got, you know, it kind of went viral. Yeah. How did that come together? Like, what was that all about? We kidnapped him and oh, okay. <laughs> put him in a room. No, he... Uh, Seemed like he was in a great mood for somebody yeah. who's been He's kidnapped. a big music fan. He saw us accidentally at, like, some friend of a friend's event in yeah. Long Beach. Um, and it was one of those just surreal situations for me as a person who probably grew up watching Mary Poppins once a week for, like, ten years as a child. Right. And I remember there's like this open dance floor. No one was dancing to our stuff. And we were playing a little <laughs> more of like some older swing and, and, and jazz stuff, which is totally in his wheelhouse. And we see this like silver haired man in a, in a white suit, just like tearing up the dance floor by himself. Right. <laughs> like no one with him. And he's just loving it, you know? And we're like, does that guy look familiar to you? And Daniel, our mandolin player, is like, what? I think that's Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins, you know? And I, of course, being an idiot, was like, isn't he dead? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like one of the, six years one of those ago. guys that you're not really... Like, well, oh, it's yeah, like, he's got to be real old, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, And he was about, I think, almost 90 at the time. And Dang. he just looked so sprightly. Sure. I was able to talk to him for a little bit. And, and um, he came to a couple shows with his wife... Um, Arlene, they came to the show where we opened for the Preservation Hall Jazz Band at mm-hmm. the Ford Theater. Mm-hmm. And she sent me an email to sort of thank us or, I don't know, say, like, great show. And so I had their contact info. And then when we were trying to figure out a video idea for the Lampshade on record we were releasing, and most of our videos, like, it's like, well, we don't have much budget. Yeah. Will anyone watch this? You know? <laughs> And Josh, our drummer, was like, like, why don't you just like email Dick Van Dyke's wife? You know, or like just see what happened. You know, I don't know, maybe he'll do it. And it wasn't like any hesitation. They were like Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and they were we were initially trying to get them to come and be on this lampshade on video, which was gonna be shooting in Echo Park, and it was this whole setup with a crew, and they were like, Yeah, no, but you should just come to our house in Malibu. Even better. Um, so we, we literally went there for a few hours. He danced around, made everybody laugh, went home. Um, Five Second Films, which is a weird little crew that puts these tiny videos together. Yeah. They basically edited it, you know, and it went on YouTube. So I, it's it's pretty unexpected cool. how much it went around the world for a second there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little like, I think it's... I mean, you've got to be real. It's, like, about him, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, people like the music to a point, but, like, you're watching Dick dance right. at 90 years right. old. So, But it's not, like, people still had positive reaction to, oh, yeah. the, to the band, you well, know? Well, it was inspiring for, I think, a lot of people saying, like, you know, you never stop right, 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 having right. fun. And, and um, 
and we've been able to stay in contact with with them and and they're very sweet down to earth people so um though i feel like the song doesn't fully represent what dust bowl does because it's very kind of bluegrass pop straight ahead um you know so we, we try to like steer people into other parts of our catalog yeah because i think that's always the problem with the internet is people fixate on a couple things and they're like, yes. oh, well, they're a, they're right. a bluegrass pop band, and right? It, or that might be five years old. Oh, yeah. Whatever video you're watching might be yeah. ancient history. So I would say to anybody listening, the best way to figure out what the Dust Bowl Revival is all about is to go see you guys play live. Totally. DustBowlRevival.com. That's it. Let's, uh, let's play a Dust Bowl song. What do you got? Kind of want to do this this new tune we're working on. Um, we haven't really played this live yet, but I think we're going to soon. It's a kind of a melancholy soul love song in a way. Um, more of a maybe a love song for for a lost friend than um, a lover. Um, and this is yet to be recorded. We have not recorded this yet. Uh, it's possible that it could be on the new, on the next record, um, but uh, it's something that I keep singing to myself, and I I hope gets out there someday. Um, it's called Sarah's song. Cool. Nothing at all. We were just kissing. 
when my conscience began to bend. I said, meet me at the diner. He said, I'll meet you there in ten minutes. I was crying in my coffee, couldn't look him in the eye. He said, I love Sarah. I said, so do I. He was my brother. Mm, long time ago. Well, you know how it happens when people drift away. You start talking less even though you have so much more to say. I married Sarah, made her my wife. He wrote us a postcard. He said, have a nice life. He was my brother. Zach, thanks for being here and doing this, man. Sure. And uh, good luck on your next outing with the band. Yeah, man. Hope you guys uh, have another great year. 2018, when it all happens. Yeah, exactly. And uh, best of luck on your podcast, too. It's called The Show on the Road. The Show on the Road. Launching soon. Not sure where and when, but you never know. Cool. Well, thanks again, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next time.